Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Josh. I'm Josh. I'm a compulsive overreader. And I have pictures to prove it, so it's very exciting. I will pass these around. I was talking to Sponty and sponsor. My sponsor told me a long time ago that he had heard from uh, his sponsor when he speaks um, a little saying, the mouth is mine, the words are yours, let's go get them, God. So I'm going to bring God into the share. No idea kind of what I'm going to talk about. Although if you've heard me before, you will hear my story again. But there are newcomers that are going to hear my story hopefully for the first time as well. And people from all over the world. I've been all over the world and heard this podcast. I've been in China on a bus and heard a longtimer who's a very good friend on this podcast, and I was extremely grateful. So thank you to this um, to this meeting and the service that you do throughout the world. Um, so, like I said, I am Josh. I am a compulsive overeater. June 29th, one day at a time. Last year, I celebrated 14 years of abstinence. One day at a time, I realized on the drive over here, I'm coming up on 15 years, whatever that means. But really, it's just for today, and it's one day at a time. If I start thinking about tomorrow or um, the next few weeks, or um, if I start thinking about yesterday or the fact that I've been abstaining from X, Y, and Z for 14 years, that makes me want to go out and eat. It just does. But if I focus on today, I have a chance if I really just focus on today. And uh, a little bit about you know what it was like. I don't remember a time where I wasn't a compulsive overeater. I always loved food. It was always, you know, just my absolute favorite thing. And um, I remember when I was about eight years old, I was going to be going on a car trip with uh, my my friend and my friend's dad. And it was about an hour and a half car trip. And at the time, that's a really long time to be in the car. So I got all excited for the car trip, and I went to uh, my parent and my parents' house. I went to the uh, you know, to the pantry with all the food, and I filled up two grocery bags worth of food. And I still remember exactly what I put in those grocery bags. I mean, this was really good stuff. I was prepared for the car trip, the hour and a half car trip. And um, I got into the back seat of my um, the, my friend's dad's car, and he turns to me. The back seat says, "Josh, there's no eating in my car." And I still remember the fear that I had and how scared I was and angry. I was really angry, too, that I wasn't going to be able to eat for an hour and a half. Um, And and that's what it was like. Um, I'd get home from from school. My mom, my mom, my parents are here right now. My mom is an amazing cook, just incredible. And um, every day I'd get home from school, my first question would be, Mom, what's for dinner, right? And most of the time it would be something great, right? And everything was good. But believe it or not, Mom, sometimes it would be something that Josh wasn't in the mood for, something that wasn't just perfect for me to, you know, kind of scratch that itch. And I'd be pissed off, I'd be angry, I'd be scared, and I didn't know how I was going to get through the night without the food that I wanted. 
I wasn't, it wasn't that I was hungry, because I still ate, right? But I wasn't having the food that Josh wanted. And, that, and that's what it was like. And when I got to, um, when I got to middle school, um, I had a, a hard time, um, because in elementary school I was made fun of a little bit, especially around sports and stuff, but at school, not as much with the weight. But when I got to middle school, it was a different school, and started getting made fun of more. Um, and that was really um, difficult and got some advice. Well, if you laugh um, with them, if you know, then they won't, it won't be as powerful. They won't make fun of you as much. And I kind of you know, took that to the extreme and would you know, make fun of myself a lot about um, the food and my weight. And I was like the jovial, funny, fat guy. Um, and it made me really you know, popular. So I thought that it was you know, working, but I wasn't really able to be my you know, true self. And um, it was um, in high school, it started getting really bad with the food because when I got my driver's license, right, I could start driving to the, you know, drive through and doing, you know, all sorts of fun things um, that I wasn't able to necessarily do when I didn't have that kind of freedom. And if I could, you know, find the food, I would want to do it. I remember I got in trouble, you know, my younger brother, my poor younger brother, who was just worried about me because of how much I was eating, you know, had told on me for, you know, going to whatever drive through And I got really upset with him and was really mean to him about it because I wanted my food. Um, and that was an amends that I later had to, to make to him, who was just my poor brother, who was just trying to, you know, help me because he loved me. And I couldn't see it because I just wanted my fix. And um, it um, in high school, I went to a very, you know, um, great progressive school, and they said, you know, what do you want to do um, with your life? What would you want to do as a career? And I remember I went home to my parents and asked them, oh, you know, what do you guys think? And they had great advice. They said, Josh, if you do something that you love, it won't feel like a job. So I started thinking about that. I started thinking about that. And then I came up with it. I was going to be a food critic because that way, <laughs> that way I could get paid to eat, right? I thought I'd have it all, all, all made, right? So I had some issues. I wasn't very critical. So that was... Uh, <laughs> part of the problem, you know, and I critique things that, like, we would care about, but apparently normal people don't care about, like, portion sizes and, um, and the price, of the, you know, things that, like, real, you know, compulsive overeaters know about, and, um, but I actually took steps towards becoming a food critic, because I thought, if I could get paid to eat, I had it made, I mean, that was it, um, and fortunately, today, I can tell you, my career as a food critic did not did not happen, um, and uh, and I can also tell you that I love my job today, and that's a miracle of this program. Um, and it doesn't have to do necessarily with um, what I do, but it has to do with how I do it. And um, and that is the the beauty of this program. When I bring in my higher power, I had a job situation today um, that came up that was extremely difficult, and I brought my higher power into it. And guess what? God took care of it. It was incredible. I was scared. I had all this fear around it. I thought it was going to go this way, right? And so I didn't want to do it. You know, it's easier to just not address the issues and to just kind of ignore stuff. And instead, I had a very, you know, difficult conversation that I had to have that I'm really grateful for. And as soon as I had it and I came to it with love and with service and with my higher power, it was like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And that's a miracle of this program. And it was Saturday, and I could have easily said, oh, I don't want to do it. It's, you know, it's Saturday. I'll push it off. But I knew 
that um, that it, that it had to be done, and um, and I, and I'm grateful for this program because it's you know taught me to um, bring in my higher power and to take action that I would be scared of. There were amends that I've made in this program that had I listened to myself, I still wouldn't have made. And I thought for sure the person wouldn't even take my call or would never talk to me. And then, of course, you know, they come to me with more open arms than I came to them. And that is a miracle of this program. I'm not saying that that's always how things go. It's not, you know, there are certainly rocky things. But by and large, my head is a lot different usually um, than, than reality. And that's the, just the truth. Um, so I got to college, right? And it got really out of hand with the food. They had the dorm, so I had all you could eat, right? So I'd go and I would eat all this stuff, just eat and eat, you know, and get there at 5, 5.30 when it opened. Um, and then I would go to the drive-thru oftentimes around 11 p.m. midnight. Um, and then oftentimes after that I would either hit the 24-hour donut shop or I would hit another 24-hour drive-thru at 2, 3, you know, 4 in the morning. And that's that's what it was like is if it was deep fried if it was greasy if it was Dr. Pepper if it was a milkshake I was interested um, and if it was like hot you know it was great because um, it was cheap and it numbed me out and I, if, if I if I thought about it if I had the thought hey that sounds good that was it I was there and that's the miracle today if I have that thought I'm picking up the phone Right? I'm picking up the phone. I learned early on in program that if you make the calls um, when things are bad, I mean when things are good, right? If you make the calls when things are good, if you're just making the calls every day, then when things are bad, when you're thinking, oh, the drive-thru is the right choice here, you'll still be making the calls. And that has absolutely been my experience. And there'll be times where I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that seems like a good idea. I should go do that. And it's usually something else that's really going on because there's not enough food out there to fix it. There's just not. I have a God-sized hole and I was trying to fill it up with food. Every day I was trying to stuff it down with food and every day it didn't work. I'd literally be sitting on the toilet because of how much I was eating with diarrhea. I would be sitting there physically in pain and I'd be saying to myself, Josh, you can't go on like this. You can't eat like this anymore. And then, you know, an hour and a half later, a couple hours later, when I was physically able to eat again, not when I was hungry, but when I was physically able to eat again, I'd be eating. And that's what it was like. Um, you know, and I'm crazy around food. Um, shortly before I came into program, um, maybe, you know, nine months or whatever, I realized that I was eating French fries every day. And I was eating french fries every day because I was going to the drive-thru every day. And I was like, oh, that can't be healthy. That can't be good for you. So I'm going to give up french fries, right? But I'm nuts. I'm like the alcoholic um, who orders um, the whiskey and the milk, right? So, oh, if I just have it with milk, then it doesn't count because the milk is protein. It's going to, you know, it's going to make it so I don't have the effects of the, you know, alcohol. But of course, after, you know, <laughs> one or two, you start to start to do it. You start to feel it. And um, so I, I was, wasn't eating French fries 
but I'm still crazy. So I would still go to the drive-thru, I just wouldn't order fries. So I'd go to one drive-thru where they had the good burger, and then I would go to the other drive-thru where they had the chicken tenders. And then I would eat basically the same thing, but I was really proud of myself because I didn't eat french fries. So, um, <laughs> you know, and that's the, you know, that's just who I am and how I'm wired. Um, when I came in a program, it was like, okay, um, you have to get abstinent. And I didn't know what it meant to be abstinent. And that's always a question that I get. So if we, so I can answer it now because it'll be, what's your abstinence? You know, <laughs> that's always like one of the questions that comes up. And what I learned was it was really important to define my abstinence and my food plan with another person, to do that with a sponsor. You learn from your sponsor how to do that. The reason for that is I would say, okay, my absence is no French fries, but I would continue to eat French fries that aren't French fries. You know, I would continue to do that kind of crazy things. I would say my absence is basically a way that I want to continue to eat, but call it abstinent. And that's how my brain is wired. So for me, it was very important to work that out with another person. And the way that I was taught with absence is absence has to do with um, how much I eat. So I eat three meals a day and an optional snack. Um, sometimes that'll be slightly more if I'm, you know, traveling and up for X number of hours, but that's typically my day. It's three meals and an optional snack. And then um, I have a food plan. Food plan has to do with what I eat. And my food plan is based on my past behaviors and my binge behaviors um, and what my binge foods are. And my food plan is different than my sponsors, and it's also different than every single guy that I sponsor. Um, because we all have different triggers. And for me, some people, they can eat all foods moderately. I am not one of those people. For me, it is easier to stay away from certain foods than it is to try to dance with them and eat them moderately. That's just my experience. So I have a list of, um, I have a green light, um, yellow light, and red light list of foods. The red light are the foods that I was just describing where if I start eating, I can't stop. So um, dessert for me is a big one, where I used to, you know, binge on dessert, and I'd eat, you know, a dozen donuts, I'd eat, you know, a full pan of Rice Krispie treats. I would, you know, I would go to town and have fun. Um, and, you know, it's like I'll have dreams in program where I'll break my abstinence, and I'll be waking up in a sweat, like, oh, my God. You know, I broke my abstinence, and I'll wake up like, oh, thank God, you know, this is a dream. But I do these amazing things that would make you realize it's a dream, like eat a piece of cake, right? I'd have literally a piece of cake. I never did that. <laughs> That's not something that I did before a program. So you could tell that it was actually a dream. Um, and, you know, I see people I see people all the time that'll, like, have, you know, the you know normies have a half a P.O. It's too rich, or, you know, I can't eat them. Like, <laughs> and... Uh, that was never my problem, you know? Um, so... Um, but apparently there are people like that out there. And um, so for me, it's easier to stay away than to try to eat it moderately because today there's certain foods that when I eat it, well, just like when an alcoholic ingests alcohol, when I ingest certain foods, I have a physical craving. I physically have a reaction where I'm, a, I'm allergic to these foods and all I want to do is eat them. That's it. All I can think about it is, is the food, and I'm, and I'm obsessed. And for today, 
it's easier to just just stay away. And I, you know, for today, for the most part, not always, the obsession is lifted where I'm not thinking about it. I just know that's not for me and I don't want it. But, you know, sometimes it comes back and that's why still picking up the phone, still going to the higher power, still talking to my sponsor, um, picking up the phone when the sponsees are calling. They save my butt more than I save theirs because they're keeping me accountable. Then they want to go through the steps and I got to go back through the steps with that. And uh, that's just how the program works. It's like the more I give in, the more I get out. And um, and that's absolutely the case. Um, so I think I, and so the, the red lights are the, you know, ones that I, you know, would binge on. And when I start, I can't stop, so I stay away today. The yellow lights are the ones where I have to be careful, where I'll want to put them in more often than I should. Um, but but I can but I can eat. Um, the green lights are really exciting. Those are the ones that I can eat typically, you know, on a daily basis, and they're exactly what you'd expect them to be, um, and tend to be the uh, the healthier choices. Because um, I obviously like to eat the crap. That's my uh, that's the way that I like to eat. I like to eat volume and the crap, um, and that's that's just me. Um, so so what happened? Um, my my father has been in program now for 19 years. He's been absent for 19 years. I saw him throughout his life go up and down um, with his weight and different diets and different different stuff. Um, and then he came to OA and something was different. Um, first off, he stayed with it for longer than anything else that he had ever you know stuck with. Um, and second of all, he had what I now understand to be a sort of sense of serenity um, around his food and his life that he didn't have before coming to OA. And I was going into my junior year of college and I started doing exercise for the first time in years. I hadn't done any really since high school, which was when I was, you know, kind of on the tennis team and that kind of stuff. But I really never was a big sports or exercise person at all, which is something I'll probably be talking about um, later on as well. Um, and um, and I thought for the first time, do I want to take a look at this food thing? And I was not a dieter. I had never before coming into program ever tried to lose weight. I actually lost weight once. It was on a um, summer trip to Israel. And what happened was the food was kind of monitored in terms of there was only so much you could eat. And then they had you doing all this exercise and they kept you really busy. And I lost like 30 pounds in like eight weeks, and it was like all, it was a lot of weight at that age to lose really quick. It still would be. Um, and um, and I got back, and everyone said, "Oh, the hard part is losing the weight." We all know that's not the case, um, but now you know, just keep it off. And I didn't want to keep it off. Um, I was afraid to look the way that I look today before coming into program. It was easier for me to have the weight and have the barrier and be the funny, jovial, fat guy than it was to take off the weight and deal with life on life's terms. And um, and I was also afraid that people wouldn't like me if I was thin. You know, I thought, it's like I'm the funny, fat guy. What is going to happen if I don't have that, you know, special power? And, um, <laughs> you know, it was all just a way for me to justify the way that I needed to eat and wanted to eat. And um, I didn't want to um, have to have real relationships with people. Um, you know, it was, didn't want to, you know, my, my friendships were, 
you know, I had lots, I had a lot more friends, but I couldn't get deep with them. I couldn't have a real relation, like a real um, actual emotional, you know, relationship, have a, you know, girlfriend, do that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I have a threefold disease, right? I have the physical, I have emotional, and I have spiritual. And the physical disease was easy for me to see when I came in because I physically couldn't stop eating and I had, you know, gained weight. So I could see, okay, I have this physical disease. But I didn't know I had an emotional disease because if you asked me before program, I would have told you I was pretty happy. I was still at that point, and the big book talks about that really scary suicidal point where the, the alcohol stops working, where it stops having the, the effect that we, we, that we seek, where, you know, the food stops working. That, that's the really scary point. Well, the food was working for me. I mean, it was really, you know, numbing me out. And um, so I would have said, yeah, no, of course, you know, of course I'm happy. But, um, but I wasn't able to really be honest and emotional with people on a level that I'm able to be today. Um, I also, like I talked about, have a spiritual disease um, where um, if you asked me if I believed in God before I came into a program or a higher power, I would have said yes. But if you asked me if I thought about my higher power on a daily basis or taking my higher power into daily decisions like I described to you today, um, I would have said, what are you talking about? I wouldn't, it, it was absolutely not. That wasn't the way I was living my life. I was living my life completely on my will and based on when I could get to the next drive-through. And, um, and, and, and in program, I was able to, you know, miraculously meet my incredible wife who, when we, you know, it's like, the um, the bar mitzvah, right, mom? When we went and, uh, when I had my bar mitzvah, we were planning it out. I still remember like all the food, right? That was like the big thing. We gotta like have this food. We gotta have this. I still remember the taste testing. It's like when I got married, it was about the wedding, which was incredible. It wasn't about the food. I mean, we had, they had wedding cake that I didn't even eat at my wedding, and I could care less. Um, and I, what's amazing is I have my wife, who's amazing, who I can connect with. On a physical level, that's a miracle to be able to connect with her physically. Um, I can connect with her on an emotional level, and I can connect with her on a spiritual level today. I mean, we pray together, and we're very much talking about um, that that part of our life, and that is a miracle of this program. And I'm, you know, extremely grateful. And so, to get back to to my dad and program. And I was, you know, exercising, thinking, okay, do I want to take a look at this food thing? I said to my dad, you know, what's up with, you know, what, tell me about OA. And instead of talking to me about it or giving me literature, he brought me to my first meeting. And we went to Roxbury Park um, to Serenity Sunday, which is still my home meeting. And we will be meeting tomorrow, and I'd love to see you guys there. <laughs> and I still do service at that meeting, and I'm the uh, newcomer contact at that meeting, which is my favorite my favorite position to do. Um, I also love doing secretary, but newcomer contacts really great because you can talk to the newcomers, which is like for me as good as it gets. And talking to the newcomers is so important for me to remember what it's like when someone comes in. They're like, "How do you just?" I'm like, "Yeah, no, no, it's one day time." They're like, "Well, how do you just get one day?" Like, how do you do that? It's like, "Oh yeah, it's a really big deal to get one day." Um, and um, and we went to the meeting, and I heard um, a guy um, from the podium. He had lost over 100 pounds and been maintaining it for years. I'd never heard of that. 
he had this huge belt buckle that showed where it is on him compared to where he was now. I was just blown away. And then after the meeting, guy came up to me, and then they started talking about God and all this other stuff. I was like, what is this? I didn't know why they were doing that. Um, and um, then a guy came up to me after the meeting, and he was uh, about a little bit younger than I am now, like early 30s, late 20s. I was 19 at the time. And um, and he looked totally normal weight, came up to me and said, Josh, I used to be over 400 pounds. Here's my number. So I was intrigued. So I called him. And he said, which is the best advice I can give to any newcomer that's here today, or at least experienced, um, go to at least six meetings before you make up your mind. Go to six meetings. And if you go to enough meetings, you might even hear your story. It was around the third or fourth meeting that I knew that I was willing to go to any lengths, that I was willing to go to any lengths to get what you guys have. And um, I have heard my story in this program countless and countless times from people who, on the outside, I might have little to nothing in common with that I may have never come across um, we might be different nationalities, different cultures, different religions, different gender, different socioeconomic, different politics, different everything, right? But when they start talking about the food and when they start talking about this disease and when they start talking about their crazy head and their feelings, it's exactly the same. We have the same story. We have the same, same crazy thoughts. And... Um, so if you are new, keep coming back because you might even hear your story. And um, I, um, I was having a really hard time finding a guy to sponsor me, which is why um, I tend to, um, when I take on new sponsees, which I don't do you know, very often because I've, I've, been, I've been full for a while, um, but I will, um, the ones that I will take on tend to be younger guys because I found as a younger guy coming into program it was really hard for me to find someone to identify with and to get a sponsor. And I was having a hard time getting a guy to sponsor me. I kept asking people and they were full and they couldn't do it. So I went to the men's stag meeting which at the time met across the street from here in Brentwood. It now still meets on Wednesdays but in Westwood. And I went to the meeting, and at the time, the meeting didn't announce um, who sponsors. So I'd gone through the whole meeting, and there was I had no idea who would sponsor. So after the meeting was done and they closed with the prayer, I said, um, I'm new to the program. Uh, I'm really looking for a guy to sponsor me. Three guys came up to me after the meeting and gave me their phone number to sponsor me. And that was how I got my first sponsor. And with my sponsor, we started working the steps. Um, we worked out the abstinence and all that stuff and started going through going through the big book. And my sponsor was exactly who I needed. Um, when I came into program, he was younger, but had um, had a bunch of time, and he was probably about 15 years older, older than myself. Um, God bless him. He ended up going out um, while I was working with him, but he was what I needed in the beginning, and then I was able to get my next sponsor. And I went through about five or six sponsors over my first, you know, four or five years in program. 
And if you're new and you're thinking, oh, I gotta get the perfect sponsor, and I you know hear that all the time from newcomers. Um, my experience is don't worry about the perfect sponsor. The most important thing is to get someone that you identify with that has what you want, um, but that you have a sponsor. That's more important than anything, at least for me, having a sponsor. Because for me, I'd love to sponsor myself and continue to eat the way that I was eating <laughs> and call it abstinence. And um, and then it was um, it wasn't until um, my last sponsor that I had, who was great guy. Um, had what I wanted, had lost a lot of weight. I have 10 more minutes. Um, had lost a lot of weight, um, had, um, you know, long-term abstinence, um, but he was very difficult to get on the phone. I couldn't get through to him. I'd call him every day, and maybe once a week or so I'd get a call back. And I'm a compulsive overeater who needs that connection every day. Like, I need to really be connecting with someone at least every other day. Like, I really need to be able to connect with my sponsor. And my current sponsor I've been working with for a long time was someone that I'd never considered working with, but was someone that I was always able to get on the phone. And he may, um, would call me all the time. And so I was like, oh, maybe I should, you know, think about asking um, him to, to sponsor me. And it's been incredible, and he has what I want. He makes more outreach calls than anybody I know in this program. Um, he is extremely selfless person. Um, he's one of the most patient and kind people that I know. He has a relationship with his, with his family that I'd want to have. He has a relationship with his higher power that I want to have. And, um, and he works a program that I want. So I call him every day. And I've become a different sponsor and a different sponsee since working with him. He is extremely gentle, extremely gentle, which I don't know if that would have worked for me in the beginning when I came in, but it's certainly exactly what I need today. And um, I call him every day, and he'll never give me, you know, advice ever. It'll always be, well, Josh, can I share with you my experience, you know, my experience, strength, and hope, my experience. I'm like, yeah, of course you can. I've been calling you every day for 10 years. <laughs> I, want, <laughs> I want your experience. And uh, and I want him to, like, tell me what to do, you know, all the time. Like, oh, just, you know, just tell me what am I supposed to do here, you know, what am I supposed to do? And it's like, oh, yeah, well, he will, but it's, it's usually to this effect. It's, well, Josh, you know, my experience is if I write about it and if I pray about it, my higher power will give me the answer. Not like, Josh, you should do this and this and this. But what he's really saying is, you know, have you written about it? And the answer is obviously no. And um, have you um, have you prayed on it? Well, no, I thought that I could, you know, get it done myself. <laughs> and um, it doesn't really work like that. And that's why I have to call him every day is to be reminded because I constantly forget this stuff. And that's why I have to pick up the phone when my sponsees call and, um, and I can't share with them my experience unless it is my experience, right? And that's why I have to, you know, go to meetings to be reminded of the program because I will, you know, just get into my own head and my own my own craziness. And what is it? You can't fix a broken brain with a broken brain, right? And um, and yeah, I'm you know just so grateful um, for my sponsor and he's yeah. But I also know, you know, based on my sponsees that I'm helping him just as much, if not more, than um, than he's helping me.
and um, I want to talk about my higher power because I've had some um, experiences in since being in program um, that I would refer to as God shots, where I have no other explanation for what happened except for my higher power. And if you asked me about this stuff before program, I would just say, oh, you know, that's a coincidence, you know. Um, but in program, I'm able to see them. So I used to go to a meeting at the, the Lions Club in, on Robertson used to have a lot of different meetings, and they used to have a big book study on Tuesday nights. And I went to that meeting one night, and we went through the doctor's opinion in the big book, right? And the speaker, and then all the pitches, everybody. No one talked about the doctor's opinion. And here I am, you know, like six years into pro, or no, I was like four years or so into program on my soapbox, you know, thinking to myself, can you believe this, you know, meeting that nobody is talking about this incredible piece of literature that we just read? So I'm like, you know, fuming in my head, thinking, thinking, and I just went to a meeting. Like, I'm less serene after my meeting than before I walked in, which is really hard to do, right? Um, so I, but I pick up the phone, right? I pick up the phone. Phone call, answering machine, answering machine, answering machine, answering. I probably made 15 calls on my phone call, on my car ride from Robertson and Melrose to um, Olympic and Roxbury, right? Which is close to where I used to live. And I was, then I get back and I'm like even more upset, right? Because I like tried to make all these calls. I'm like really trying to do, do this program, which really trying to work it. And so I was like, okay. I'm going to go for a walk. So I go to the park, the Roxbury Park, and I take a walk. And I'm going around the circle and doing the park, and then I get to the end, which is where my OA meeting is on Sundays, where Serenity Sunday is. And what do you know, but there's an AA meeting happening. I was like, okay, I guess I should walk in. So I walk into the meeting, I sit down, and I listen. 20 minutes Right, I get the end of the meeting, I get the last 20 minutes of the meeting, and I hear the message. I hear exactly what I need to hear. Then we close with a prayer. I meet a couple of people in program, kind of tell them you know, what's going on. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm taken care of. And if it wasn't for the fact that I was like so angry and upset, I wouldn't have you know, made all those calls. And if it wasn't for the fact that I was like still fuming, I wouldn't have gone on a walk. And had I not gone on that walk, I wouldn't have found that meeting. Had I not gone to that meeting, I wouldn't have heard the message. I have no explanation for this but God. I can't explain to you why God put to me put this meeting there when I wasn't even knowing that it was there. To me, that is my higher power taking care of me when I could not take care of myself. So then, of course, I tell my sponsor, you know, kind of what happened and so on. And his reaction was like, well, Josh, if you want to hear about the big book, at the big book study, you need to raise your hand and actually talk about the big book. I was like, I didn't even think about actually sharing. <laughs> so just to give you an idea how nuts I am, I just want to sit there and, you know, and, you know, criticize. It's a lot easier that way. Um, but um, but it, it's done me a lot of good, right? It's like resentment is the number one offender, and I don't have the luxury to have it today. Um, so another um, meeting story it was about four years ago, and... My um, mother-in-law was being honored at a brunch 
which is wonderful and she's amazing and it was and it was great. But guess what? It was like 11 a.m. on Sunday. And guess what I do on Sundays? I go to my meeting. So I'm like annoyed, you know, because I want to go to my meeting and I'm not going to my meeting. So I decided I was going to go to um, a, an earlier meeting and it was daylight savings and I was running late, but I still decided to go. The meeting was supposed to start at 9. I got there at like 9.20, but I was like, I really need a meeting. I need to get there. Get to the meeting. It was at this like old AA building in, in Culver City, similar to here where they have like the 12 steps and 12 traditions on the wall. I walk in like completely dark and black. I'm like, okay, great. So there was no meeting. So I use the restroom. I come out and a woman walks in and says, are you here for the OA meeting? I'm like, yeah, no, I am. So I don't know what's happening. We're just like, okay. Well, she said, well, I really need a meeting. So do you want to have a meeting? I was like, I'd love to. So we read the steps from the wall, and then she started sharing. And she shared about all the stuff going on with her at work, right? And at the time, I had all this, like, crazy stuff going on at work, and I was having a really hard time. And then she was sharing, like, the solution in her experience, and it was, like, exactly what I needed to hear. Then I started telling her what was going on with me and my work stuff, and then, you know, she talked and so on, and then, you know, finally we, you know, um, closed with a prayer, and then a guy walks in. And he says, what are you guys doing here? He said, oh, we're here for the OA meeting. They're like, no, no, the OA meeting hasn't been here in a month. They moved, and it wasn't updated on, like, the website or whatever, so you guys aren't supposed to be here. You guys need to leave. We're like, okay. So I went to a meeting that doesn't exist <laughs> because, you know, my will wasn't let, you know, I wasn't able to go to the meeting that I wanted to go to. And I, you know, was running 20 minutes late, right, which I don't usually do. I don't like to get to meetings late at all. But for some reason, I still went to the meeting. Had I not been 20 minutes late, I never would have met this woman, heard the, the message that I needed to hear. I have no other explanation but a higher power. There's nothing else that can exp that that may, that I can explain that that happened and that I was able to hear the message from my higher power, but that there's something greater than myself. So, um, if um, if you're new, keep coming back. Keep coming back. This program works, um, and um, and thank you, David for asking me to share. Thank you.